Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potter, and you're listening to Call Talk for September 12, 2018. Today's topic is Digital Workforce Keeping Automation Real. If you are listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask a question. Here's how you do it. Email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Nowadays, you hear a lot of companies who are doing something with automation, RPA, or with artificial intelligence. AI. However, we were wondering what the real story is behind it. I mean, can it be as easy as the vendors pitch it, and does it require a real effort? And that's why we wanted to talk more about this area of digital automation, and we brought in an expert for you, Martin Zeiderban, who is the Chief Commercial Officer of PA Team, and who, by the way, is a Dutch national who is joining us from his vacation on the Dalmatian coast of Croatia. Talk about dedication. How are you doing, Martin? Uh, I'm very good, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, weather is amazing here in Croatia, but uh, I'm always more than happy to uh, pitch in a little bit and, and help people get to know more about automation. Okay. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, we all feel incredibly envious of you over there. So uh, have a good bottle of wine uh, to, to this evening and think about us, okay? <laughs> Definitely will. Along with your fresh fish there on the coast. Okay, well, great. A few more words of introduction on Martin. Uh, he was a pioneer in this area, one of the first people doing automation and robotics in IKEA, or IKEA, depending on how you pronounce it, in the Netherlands. And he moved on to IKEA Global where he started rolling out automation and AI best practices to the rest of the group and to other departments. And he was always looking at automation from a customer perspective, which is something we always emphasize on Call Talk. And uh, having experienced all the challenges coming with implementing and scaling robotics from uh, you know the beginning to an enterprise scale, Martin has a practical and realistic view on robotics, okay? No uh, rose-colored glasses here. And uh, while he's at the same time able to really deep dive into technical detail. So it enables uh, him to see how to get the most out of automation and uh, circumvent the common pitfalls. So he's now working with PA Team, a company that helps customers uh, through their end-to-end automation journey. So um, a lot of experience here. We're just delighted to have you, Martin. And let me jump in right away with the first question. Uh, so for those of uh, us on the phone who are new to it, uh, just tell us, what is RPA? I, I think, first of all, the, the abbreviation for who doesn't know it, it's Robotic Process Automation. So the, the name itself already says it a bit. It's, it's the automating of processes. But more specifically, because process automation, uh, automation is something we do more in business, uh, RPA is seen as a technology to automate business processes. Depending on what tool it is, you have tools that are more configuring, more process mapping, and you have tools that are more programming tools. 
that also connects with some vendors, some uh, companies will say it's really a business tool, others say it's more an IT tool. But really the core behind what the technology is, is that it's a, a robot, a virtual employee that basically imitates a human, an employee, uh, or sometimes complements the, the employee uh, on their day-to-day work. And taking over all the tedious and repetitive works that employees have to do in their day-to-day work. Okay. Well, and just to dive in a little bit deeper, what's the difference between attended and unattended automation? So the, the, the robotic automation industry really sees two major variations uh, of automation. Uh, the, the, the most uh, known one is called unattended. The best way to describe unattended is that it's really a lights-off way of working where a virtual robot sitting somewhere in a data center in the end of the world takes over completely from a user. So Okay, really gotcha. Okay. Go ahead. I was just going to ask for an example of that. So, so one way uh, is uh, we probably all have, as, as customers, uh, employees sitting around who do nothing else than uh, putting e- emails into your case management system. Uh, it's a very common example. Sometimes those emails also originate in a, a web form on your website. So what robots can do is actually take the, the information that comes from that web form, process it, and automatically create a case out of it. Basically no human interaction needed anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. And th- So that's the unattended, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay, and, uh, so let's move to attended and uh, tell us about attended. Yeah, so, so attended automation, which I believe really is the most interesting variation, especially for the context and their industry, uh, because uh, attended automations work on the desktop empl- uh, of the employee, really working together with them, enhancing them skills, making them faster, making them do the work better. It's almost you, you're creating a super agent out of your uh, employee. Um, and one of the major drivers, for example, we see that, it's the, that why attended is so such a cool variation of this is that we see in many contact centers that it's used to drive first contact resolution as well, where normal tedious long processes in the back office where it takes an hour or longer for a back office employee to do something is built in such a way that it can be done on the front office. Um, doing processes more quick, more standardized, um, but also more important, it takes away the time that an employee needs to spend in a system, and instead they can actually talk to the customer, really improving the value of the call with the customer. Every interaction counts, especially in nowadays uh, digitalized work. Right, absolutely. So this adds to the value add of the interaction and uh, gives the agent uh, more to work with and, and able to deliver better service. And uh, can you give us a couple of examples or an, or an example of that? So I would say the best example is uh, data often is spread over several different systems. And many of us have tried to implement a CRM system. If you're one of the lucky ones that has a CRM system, you probably notice that not all data is in there. Even it doesn't matter how hard you try, there always is that logistic information system, the one system that are difficult to connect. There always are systems that remain. 
So a perfect example of an attended automation is where if the customer calls, the information in your CRM, if you have it, pops up. And the systems that are not connected, the robot will actually pull the data and show it to the employee. That's a very typical use case for attended automation. Yep. Okay. Now, I'm sure that's something that all of us can uh, can relate to. And tell us, Martin, how does all this fit into the overall workforce management picture? In other words, if we take a step back, uh, talk to us about that. One of the things we find is really important when working with automation is not just to see it as a loose part, see it as a technology you're implementing. Uh, we really like to see automation as, uh, as part of a bigger thing, and we usually refer to it as a digital workforce. Um, the best way of looking at automation is to see it as part of your workforce. A robot is just an uh, employee who you can give work. Um, to step down a, one little detail more, we usually see three different types of automation. The first one is the one we probably all know, I call it end-to-end -end IT automation. The best way of saying is you tell your IT department to improve the systems, and they do it. Hopefully quick, depending on how it goes. Usually it's a <laughs> slow and long process. On the other yes. hand, uh, when it's done, we do see that usually it's very stable, reliable, because it's built really solidly. Um, and then the other two are basically the ones that we actually spoke, uh, just shortly spoke about. So uh, you have the attended automation, which is automation between employees and robots, sometimes also called desktop automation, really creating super agents, a bit exaggerated, but I really like the phrase. Uh, and the second one, the unattended automation, uh, where basically systems and robots uh, really work together. But then yeah, the core yeah, I, of the story is that uh, those three technologies, those three, it's actually in the technologies, it's more ways to improve processes and automate processes. Uh, the, the, the key point is where employees, agents, robots, and IT systems work together, uh, really creating a truly unified digital workforce uh, to create, also to create the best customer experience journey. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key, and the fact that we live in a world where things change so often, where there's mergers and acquisitions and uh, divestitures and all that sort of thing, uh, obviously can complicate situations, and uh, so the uh, slow but stable and reliable part, uh, even that can sometimes fray at the edges for a lot of people, but uh, I think that, that you know, three-part, um, you know, the end-to-end, the uh, attended and the unattended. That's a good uh, trichotomy, if I can call it that, uh, to, to keep in mind. And uh, also the fact that you've talked about the integration of the employees, the robots, and the systems um, are very important. And, and th there has to be the connection there, because if they're disconnected, it really can hurt the customer journey and hurt the customer uh, experience. Whereas if it's done well, and it's really uh, it's it's a crucial thing in terms of uh, competitive advantage. Uh, actually, you reminded me of a perfect use case of attended as well. But when you mentioned merger, 
Um, one uh, one of the companies uh, I worked with, uh, a big a big international logistics company. We all know the different ones. We it's one of the areas where there are a lot of mergers, but also in other ones. In that merger, uh, just as you said, which is a perfect use case for a system mess, let's call it like that. They uh, need to merge with the systems from the company they they they, uh, they bought merged with. So what the RPA meant for them is that they, part of the improvements they actually did in, uh, in, with their IT, but they found a few that, that had a big impact on customer journey. They had a big impact on uh, employee experience as well. Uh, and they said, okay, let's use technology, uh, RPA as a technology to actually move quicker. So mergers is a perfect example of where often this technology comes in very handy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great use case, absolutely. So, okay, if we take a step back and we look at these uh, sort of two trichotomies we've been talking about, what, what benefits does all this give? So, so there are a, a few more common ones that we see, see a lot. So uh, increased data quality, increased compliance, sometimes even increased business results. But also, not to forget, uh, reduced manual errors by your employees and lower churn because they like their work more. Um, you might notice that one of the things that usually drives all business cases we do when working in basically any industry is cost settings. But it's one that I actually leave out on purpose since um, obviously for some companies, cost savings is the driver. We need to cut costs. Uh, however, we also see that, especially in nowadays e-commerce business, uh, which is thriving and really driving call volumes, um, it's also about doing more work with the same amount of people. How can we stop that we need to hire, hire, hire? Right, right. No, obviously very important. And so if we look at these, uh, I mean, I think it's reasonably obvious, but let me just go through the ones that you uh, you mentioned so you said the increased data quality, and the increased data quality would be because of? I think we all know we're human. We've all had the moments where we <laughs> sent an email to someone else, and yeah, just a few minutes later you get an email, hey, did you forget to add attachment? I think everybody had that experience. Well, the same when you work in a CRM system or in any other system. People make mistakes. Robots yeah. don't. Or at mm -hmm. least if they make a mistake, they make it consistently. <laughs> but, yeah. That's right. Okay, good. And actually that, that, that same logic goes to another point that you made, which is that a benefit, one of the benefits is compliance. And, of course, there's some, there are a lot of uh, contact center managers who work in areas where compliance is extremely important, both for internal reasons and for external and regulatory reasons, right? Correct, yeah. And so, so one of the things also you can see with the, this technology is also to uh, automate checking. Uh, are certain things done? Uh, sometimes even we combine the robots together with uh, a, a voice recording system or interaction analytics system where we can even see are the employees checking off all the boxes they should check off. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, good. That's, that's, that's a great explanation. So. Now, many of the RPA vendors, uh, and of course I go to events all the time, et cetera, will tell you that the automation is pretty easy. Give this a try. Everybody can do it. Um, 
tell us from your opinion, given your pioneer status in this uh, field and all the things that you've seen, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, is this really the case as of today or is it not quite that good and is that a sales pitch? Uh, I, I, I really like when I go to a conference and I, I'm seeing the vendors and the vendors also are uh, basically giving a build-your-own-robot session where any person attending to the, to, to the uh, conference can go sit down and build their own robot. And in some way... Uh, the, the core is true. Um, when you know your process, it can be easy to automate. But when doing automation, it also depends a lot on the tool which you use. Some tools are quite easy to use, but maybe less stable, and you're, 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 usually you're suffering in other areas if they're really easy to use. It, it, it goes with the tool. The more complex the tool, the more capabilities it has, the easier the tool, the that's stable it is. But um, one of the extreme things mentioned in, in, in sales pitches sometimes is uh, you don't need a programmer to build automations. Anybody in your automation ca- organization can do it. Even like a, a use case I had was where their IT department said, okay, let's give the tool to everybody. Give, give, give the automation tool to all employees. Let them build their own mm-hmm. Yeah, you can wonder if that's from a manageability perspective is good because everybody, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Excel. Everybody can make their own macro, but once you talk to once it breaks, IT will say, yeah, good luck. But go, 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 going back a little bit to the question that is it really easy? What, what we see a lot is that the first automation is usually relatively easy. It, it's usually uh, a uh, quite simple process that is selected. You have experts guiding you, uh, putting it in, automating it. But once setups really scale and become more large, more complex, more interesting, um, automation tools also are put more to the test and more deep process knowledge is also required. So it's not only knowledge about the, the tools you use to automate, but it's also knowledge about how do your processes work? Where does finance come in? Where does HR come in? We find that usually there are a lot of uh, stakeholders connected to one process. Um, yeah. So that's more on the front end building. But also once it's live, it's also about, yeah, r- robots require management. They require TLC, just like employees. Robots will complain a little bit less. They won't take vacation and as long as IT doesn't do anything. They won't complain about time off. But yeah. So, so they won't be there in Croatia when uh, <laughs> the uh, things things need to get done. Exactly. No. Uh, so there are a lot of advantages there. There's, there's actually two things that came out of what you just said that I'd like to mention. And one is the part about processes and knowing your processes before you start the automation uh, component. One of the things we've seen is a a big uptick in client interest in customer experience journey mapping um, so that they can understand, really understand how this all fits together from a customer point of view and from their own point of view because uh, customer experience journey mapping at the end of the day also turns into a enterprise uh, journey because uh, the enterprise is trying to facilitate the experience of the uh, the customer, and so it needs to know how to do that with what it has in terms of uh, people, processes, and technology. And as you said, um, 
you know, when you're up there with your sticky notes on the uh, board and figuring out how it all works uh, for the customer journey, there's going to be some side things that go off to uh, finance, to HR, et cetera. And uh, in many organizations that are very siloed, this can be a uh, uh, sort of a new thing for them and somewhat painful sometimes, but really revealing and ultimately very empowering. Uh, because, uh, you know, what we've seen is people that we've worked to do this, uh, they get to know folks outside of their own silo, and they say, hey, you know, they're people too, and they're really interesting, and they've got some really good things to, to offer in terms of helping us get better, and we have some things to help them get better. And I think yeah. people in the customer contact sector oftentimes undervalue the amount of, of uh, interest that others can have in the information, the data, uh, and the input that they have. So uh, yeah, that's, that's really important. Yeah, so that, that was the first point that I was thinking of as you were talking. The other was uh, the, the business about how as you scale and things become more complex, people oftentimes uh, get the glazed eyes and don't know quite what to do. Uh, an analogy I think of is a little bit like uh, getting a smartphone. And uh, how many of us have a smartphone? And we know that we're probably using only 20, if maybe 30% of the capabilities of that smartphone. And But that's our comfort zone. We're comfortable with that. We get beyond that and we get a bit uncomfortable. And uh, what we have to do is really push ourselves. Even if we don't want to do it with our smartphones, we need to do it with our um, you know, processes in, in the context and, uh, context and our technology so we know how to do that better. Well, would you agree with that, Martin? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also to, to, to connect back to, to your question to have more process knowledge, I think that's also one of the reasons why we see that, especially this technology, it basically forces you to think a bit more about your processes, consciously or unconsciously. So the, what I really like when people were, start working with uh, a process automation is also when customers themselves say, hey, I want to be in control here as well. I want to w work with this tool. And some external company, of course, helps them with expertise. It helps them, well, not 90% in the case of your phone uh, story, but it, it helps them do the 20, 20, the golden 80-20 rule. It helps them uh -huh. get the 20% additional knowledge. But 80% of the process knowledge is really knowledge that should exist in a company. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's amazing how that 80-20 rule comes out over and over <laughs> again. Um, yeah, so another question is, is process automation tightly connected to process optimization? And can you just explain that a little bit, your thoughts? Yes, so one of the questions I've heard many, many times before is before I automate a process, have, do I have to imp uh, optimize the process first? Do I have to get all departments aligned and clean up the process? I would say ideally yep. they go hand, and it, it goes hand, hand in hand. So, so it's for, first you would like to optimize the process, make it as lean as you can, and only then automate it. Right, and, and that actually kind of fits in with what we were talking about uh, just a second ago with regard to the uh, customer journey, optimization, all that sort of stuff. In other words, uh, optimizing those processes for good business purposes and then, then automate it. Would you yeah. say so? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Look, don't, uh, 
we often work with examples of, of Lego blocks. You have Lego blocks connecting, the, and, and you build a bigger, uh, maybe a, a, a car or a plane. Or, but you, you can change one block, but it can be that suddenly that block doesn't fit into the into the package you're building anymore. So you need to look into the bigger picture. You need to look to the customer journey. How can we improve this? Right. Right. Okay. Let's just uh, quickly say, because we're starting to run out of time here, uh, there's a couple more things I'd like to, to ask. Uh, RPA and AI, uh, can you just give us the difference between those two? Yeah, definitely. The, uh, the, the, the easiest way of saying it uh, is RPA fo focuses really on structured data. So in some form of way, we get the data in a standardized way. Uh, think of a web form, think of an employee inputting data in certain fields, but the minimum mm -hmm. is we know what data we're looking at. AI, mm -hmm. on the other hand, it, it, it's more the adding the human component, the, ana the analytics, uh, basically looking into uh, unstructured data, trying to make sense of it, looking into an email, a, a conversation. Uh, one of the most common parts seen as AI is the chatbot. The chatbot itself can interact with humans. On the other hand, uh -huh. when you need the chatbot actually to do something, uh, there you need either IT to build something or a technology like RPA. So it's basically giving okay. a chatbot hand and feet. Okay, very good. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Okay, one more question for me, and then I'm going to hand it over to uh, Alan. But I think this is an important one. You know, What are the most common challenges that you've seen in all of this uh, with all the experience that you've had? I would say one of the top challenges with automation implementations is the, the, the choosing of the right use case. Uh, the initial use case, but also the use cases after it. Often the step, the step is done really quickly, uh, not paid too much attention to, uh, sometimes also seen more as hindering continuing to work. Uh, but. Some, it's, it's really a pity because sometimes we see, for example, that IT actually is working on fixing a problem and it can be that the automation suddenly is not needed anymore. Uh, or it's simply not the biggest use case. There is a use case that saves much more money or frees up ma many more hours. Um, another one, which is more specifically to the attended automation, so on the desktop of the employees, is that uh, sometimes it's forgotten that actually we're changing something to the way of working of the employee. It's really important to, to, to think, to see it as a change management. We're putting, giving something new to the employee, even if it's helping them. It's a system working with them, not against them. But nevertheless, they need to start realizing that, getting to know it, uh, getting to trust it also. And last but not least, I also would say setting realistic expectations uh, mm. talk about it even on uh, to, to the C-level people but also basically in every level at the, uh, at the company uh, talk about why are we doing this what what are what are fair expectations to have from the first implementation but also more long term once you've started off what do you want to do with this tool set because it has it's a very powerful tool but you need to know where do you want to emphasize on. And really aligning the expectations is key for the perceived success. Okay. Now, these are great, great points. So thank you very much for that. Since we're getting to the uh, 
the bottom of the hour here, what I'd like to do is to uh, turn it over to Alan, who has a question from one of our listeners. Alan? Yes, we have a question from Laura, and she says, very interesting. So what is important to pay attention to if I want to start? So what is important to pay attention to if you want to start? I, I would say really think about why you want to do it. What, what, what do you want to get out of it? it, it it's someone once referred to me as RPA as shiny object syndrome. It, it's a lot around people, we got to have it without exactly knowing what it can do. So RPA really has a lot of strength. Uh, with customers who are uh, enabled properly to use technology. Um, but when you do, make sure you have a good, experienced, knowledgeable, knowledgeable partner to support you. Uh, when you talk to people uh, looking for their story around robotics, uh, ask them for real-world experience, uh, what implementations they have done, especially the large ones references, ask how they will support you on growing your organization. Um, and in addition to that, also don't wait too long. Um, when we look into companies looking for good candidates, we usually find that an ROI between nine and 18 months is perfect. The lower, the better uh, when we're looking for good candidates for automation. Um, but if you have an ROI of nine months, that also means that the sooner you start, the earlier you will get your ROI. Um, I would say, as to, to, to summarize both points, it's really talk to someone if you're interested about robotics. Truly try to find out uh, what it can do for you, and don't be afraid to start. It's it's a really strong technology. Uh, that mm -hmm. allows you to really improve your customer journey. Right. Uh, this is great input, great advice, and you know I think the uh, the, uh, the big takeaway is this: it's not rocket science. Don't be afraid of it, but do get to know it. Uh, and however, what's interesting is, is so many things in life. Is the first thing is to know yourself really well. So you need to know your own mission, right? Your own goals. You mentioned this, and your own strategy. And then once you have those things straight, and I always say, uh, have your mission statement printed out and up on the wall, right, in the conference room where people are talking about this stuff, and then refer to it whenever you need to. And uh, once you know that part and have that solid in your mind, know your processes, optimize your processes, uh, make them as user-friendly and as customer experience-friendly as possible, by doing the hard work that's needed to really understand that. And then you go over to the, uh, uh, the automation side, and you will be putting pieces in place that make sense, that are coherent, that actually are coherent and, and really constructive all the way up to, um, you know, your, your mission statement. So, well, listen, this has been great input. Do you have any final words of wisdom before we, uh, before we end the, the show, Martin? If you haven't looked into RPA, I definitely recommend doing so. And if you've heard about it, have been thinking about it, but not done something, go back to yourself and ask yourself, why haven't I started? What's stopping me? 
Okay, very good. Listen, this has been great input, uh, very good advice, and we really appreciate your joining us. Uh, unbelievable that you've taken time out from your vacation there. Uh, and as I say, have a good bottle of wine and some nice fresh fish. Think about us as you do so <laughs> this evening. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Bruce. Okay, uh, and I'll say the only thing that I know in uh, Dutch, which is Veltrusten. <laughs> <laughs> good night to you too, Bruce. Ah, it's not, okay. It's not that good, good morning, actually. You still have to start. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're way ahead of us there, way ahead of yes. us. Okay, take care. Thanks again. Alan, over to you. Thanks again to Martin and Bruce for your insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows and topics at BenchmarkPortal.com. Then click on Call Talk, where you'll find over eight seasons of this show. From all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan signing out. Have a great day.